Welcome. Let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. Welcome this Wednesday. It's an honor to be with you. Blessings to uh, people watching online. Welcome. Have an open heart today to hear what the Lord's got to say. Amen. Amen. Before I start, I just want to. If you don't mind, if we can stand, sorry, I want to pray. There's some brothers and sisters in Oklahoma, friends of mine and uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, if you don't mind, yeah, stand. Um, they're going through a hurricane in Florida at the moment, so it's the next 24 to 48 hours is pretty um, pretty uh, important for them. So I thought as a church body, because um, we'll, we'll stand in, in the gap and intercede and pray. We good with that? Amen. So this is from the prayer center in Florida, Oklahoma. Um, I've been 
attached, if you want to call it, for lack of a better word, to the prayer center in Oklahoma, and, and these guys are in Florida, Immokalee, Florida, sorry, and, um, and a lot of you guys have been touched by the Pastor Dave Robeson's book, and uh, he's the founder of the prayer center, and, uh, and the guys in uh, Florida are going through a hurricane, so we'll pray for them, we'll stand in the gap, amen. So Father, we thank you. We know your hand is not too short. We know, Father, that you have risen and gone before this storm, Father, that you make all things new, that your stillness, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will protect everybody at Florida, Lord. All, your bro all our brothers and sisters, in the, even in the prayer center and Immokalee and all through Florida, Father, we thank you for the covering of your holy angels, for your angels hearken unto the word of the Lord. And we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that sets them free, Father, that calls out greater, that we say, peace, be still, Father. I thank you that you are the God of miracles. You are the God that loves, Father, and that you would protect our brothers and sisters, especially in Immokalee at the prayer center, Father, Pastor Bronk and his family, Lord. We lift up holy hands and we say thank you. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. And we give you praise and honor. We give you thanks, Father. And let it be a testimony to your goodness, Father. I give you praise and honor, Father. I thank you for the safety of all people. And I thank you, Father, the gospel will be preached, Father. I ask for blessings upon blessings to the family over there in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Be seated. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Who's excited about the word? You have, why would you be? You don't know what I'm saying yet. And they always should be excited about what God's doing. Amen. Amen. It's an exciting time to be alive, especially Parramatta. We come against the bunker. We come against the video ref. We come against any hindrance in Jesus' name. No, no, I'm joking. The river of life. Tonight we're going to talk about the river of life. And we're going to take the story out of Ezekiel chapter 47, but let me give you a bit of a backdrop. So Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. Is this thing all right? Yeah, now it is. Um, a prophet in the Old Testament. He was actually a priest, and God ordained him as a prophet. And he spoke of their time in exile. At that time, uh, Jerusalem was exiled, and they lost Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. And now they're under Babylonian captivity, and they're basically in a refugee camp. Now, Ezekiel was prophesying and speaking the word of the Lord in visions and dreams about their time in exile. And it was some bad times. It was because of the idolatry that they got into Israel and, and they thought that was the end of, of Israel. They thought that was the end of us. But God was showing Ezekiel the current situation they were in, the darkness, the captivity, how they were in. They lost everything they had. But then God was showing him future visions. Visions that hadn't happened yet. And isn't it like God that when you're going through your darkest times, He can show you a way out? See, sometimes you can't see a way out when you're in a circumstance because you're so consumed about the circumstance. But God always gives you a vision, a way out. Amen? See, when the disciples had heard all these things about Jesus, what He was going to do, what he was gonna, and they're walking with Him, and He's healing the sick, He's raising the dead, and they thought, wow, this is it, and He dies. And they see Him crucified, and buried. It's all over. What are, you, what are we going to do, Peter? Let's go fishing. So he went fishing. But God always shows you the, a vision to a way out. Sometimes you've got to see something bigger than yourself. 
Sometimes that you're stuck in your environment, in your situation, and whatever you're going through. It could be you could be in church 20 years and haven't stepped one centimeter out of where you started. And God's not allowing us to stay in a position of shallowness anymore. God wants us to step out further. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to trust Him. He wants to anoint us to do that. Amen. See, in your strength and my strength, I can't do that. But in His strength, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. He says, while you are weak, I am strong. There's something about surrender. And I often use this analogy when someone's drowning, the lifeguard will go out and see this guy drowning in the beach. He'll go out and he'll get to him. But while he's kicking and screaming and trying to save himself, he leaves him. He waits till he runs out of breath. He waits till he stops kicking and screaming and basically drowning. And as he falls, he goes and gets him. Why? Because he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want him to go there. Well, he's kicking, panicking. He'll drown them both. But he waits till he's surrendered. He's given up. He's got no more hope. It's all over. Then he gets him and brings him home. See, that's a lot like us sometimes. We're kicking and screaming, trying to tell God how to do things. When we go through situations, and and everyone's at a different place with the Lord, and God's saying, until you stop kicking and screaming, until you stop trying to fix it yourself, until you start surrendering to My will, I can't help you. You can relate to that. How many times have we tried to do something in our own strength and we're trying to fix a problem and God's saying, why don't you just sit and be still and let me work? Sometimes we get in the way of what God's trying to do. Peter thought he was doing Jesus a favor. I'll go to jail for you. I'll kill everyone for you. Get behind me, Satan. He couldn't understand those things. And tonight we're going to talk about Ezekiel and AJ's going to read it for us and then we'll try to unpack this. But tonight, I want you to go a little bit deeper in the things of God. A little bit deeper. See, we come from a, a society today, me included, that wants the next best thing. Who's got a mobile phone here? Who wants the new one that's coming out? All the kids at the back, right? You're in trouble. We always want the next best thing. We're always looking for something better. We are so trained to have the next best thing, the next best outfit, the next best event, the next best thing. And we're not comfortable in where we are. But we need to understand that in God, there's a process. In God, there's timing. In God, there's seasons. And we're going to look at this. And as I said, it's about the river of life. See, if God isn't in the center of what you do, you're dead. If God isn't the center point and Jesus is the focus point, and the Holy Ghost cannot move. We've got a lot of dead Christians that have lost their way. And we're going to get back on that way. Amen? Amen? Let's go. Ezekiel 47 verse, and verse 1. We'll read it straight through. Then he brought back... Can you hear me? Louder? Yeah. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. 
the waters came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, it waters, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because of these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live, everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi to En Glaim. They will be placed there will they will be places for the spreading of their nets. Their fish will be of the great of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be they will be given over to salt. So Ezekiel here, just to unpack this a little bit, and we're gonna watch a video if you can tee it up and we'll let you know. About a temple that's going to be built. And out of the temple flows water and an anointing from the temple. And it flows out and he takes him through to where the water was flowing. And as you can know, he goes out a thousand cubics. A thousand cubics is, is roughly 500 meters. So a picture of five, um, five football fields, long ways. He would take him and then it will go ankle deep. And then it will go knee deep. And then it will go waist deep. And then he gets to the point where he's submerged. And then you see this. And if you look back at this on the eastern gates, the eastern region of the sea, that's actually talking about the Dead Sea. So God is showing him a specific place that this fresh water, this anointing from the temple is going to flow to the lowest parts of the earth. The Dead Sea is the lowest part of the earth. It's got that much minerals in the Dead Sea. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea just receives but does not give out. I've said this before. The lowest part of the world is the Dead Sea. That's what they call it, the Dead Sea. You can never drown in it. There's that much minerals you float. Who, who's been there? You've been there. Is that true? Awesome. So I'm dead right. Dead set. Say that. And in this prophetic word, he's talking about a temple and water flowing from the temple and the man taking him out and showing him the depths of the temple. I want to speak to you today about your depths in God that the temple is represented here. Now, some many scholars argue about this prophetic word. Some believe it's the, it's the restoration of Israel back in the temple in the last millennium reign where Jesus rules for a thousand years. Some, I believe it's a bit deeper than that. I think, it's, I think it's got to do with more than Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. I really believe that the true temple of God is Jesus. He said, I will knock this temple down and rebuild it in three days. You remember that? I do believe there's going to be a future temple built. I do believe that. I also believe there's the New Jerusalem. It's got a temple that comes down. So there's so many prophetic. So people argue what he's actually saying here. But I want to speak to you from the perspective of today is how deep can you go? How deep is your love? Your love. How deep is his love for you? Because you can go to the first ankle. So I remember back in the day, and you know what? A few boys at the back, do the, you know, they know what I'm talking about. We used to go to Bondi Beach. We used to take all our gear off and get stand up with the spray gun. 
Then we'd walk up and we, everyone, Lebanese, chest, arms, but no legs, you know. And they walk up and they put their, oh, and they run like, we, were, we didn't like the water. But anyway, but we looked apart and we got up to, we got up to ankle high in the water. But can I tell you this? Some Christians are ankle high deep in water. It's great. You got saved. You know Jesus is your Lord and that's as far as you've got. And there's so much more. Here in the vision, he said, he walked all the way till he got to submersion. So he got to the river where he couldn't cross. You have to swim. Speaks of immersion. Speaks of the depths of God. Falling from the temple. See, too many people want the anointing, but they don't want to worship the God who gives the anointing. I sit with them every day. They want the gift. They want the Holy Ghost. They want this. They want that, but they're not willing to submerge and give up. Because see, while I'm in ankle high water, I'm still in control. Amen. When I'm knee high, it's better, but I'm still in control. When I'm waist high, I'm still in control. But when I get to a point where I can no longer sustain it, guess who's in control? The water, the anointing. See, sometimes we're going to get to a place where we're that immersed that God is in control. He takes us wherever he wants to take us. And it's interesting that in the temple, it says that it trickles out. So it's only a little bit of a trickle. I believe that the temple is representing Jesus. The Bible says that, the, the, let's go back to the first bit. It says that the, the water ran from the north gate out of the side. Can we play that video? Let's play that video. And I will explain. It's only a one and a half minute video. Turn up for this short video you've probably seen it a thousand times and if you don't know the story quickly we sure all know the story but they would normally break the legs of the people on the cross so they couldn't hold themselves up anymore to die and at that time when Jesus was crucified it was on a holy day just before the holy day and the Jews didn't want it's unclean like people that are dying on crosses or people that are convicted are considered unclean they didn't want that to be hanging around before the um, Passover and the sacrificial of the lamb. 
So he would break the legs to make him die, but they realized that Jesus was already dead, so they speared him through the side. And these are executors. They're not just poking him. They went through the side to his heart. But what the Bible says, water and blood flew out of his side. Here it says in the temple of Ezekiel that the anointing or the water flowed from the temple through the side of the temple. Can you see a picture here, someone? Okay, here are water and blood. Now we can talk about that. And we've preached on the water and the blood and what it means. But I want to share something quickly with you. That Adam gave birth or his wife came from his side. The Bible says he took a rib out of his side, opened up his side. And here we have Eve. Speaks of Adam and his wife. Here, Jesus on the cross was giving birth to the church. Because when we get saved, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen. There's no way to get saved or have salvation unless it's through the blood. And water speaks of baptism. Water and the blood testify. And out of the side of Jesus, his wife was birthed, the church. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. It's symbolic of all this. But it flows from the temple. Now, when you look at, say, the, the, the blood in Zechariah 13.1. Can you go to Zechariah 13.1? In that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for the sin and for uncleanliness. He's speaking already prophetically. In the time of the Jews, they thought it was a temple and the temple was supposed to be where God's presence is and it was. And they do the sacrifices and they will get cleansed. But here, if we go a little bit deeper, guys, that they used to do sacrifice of lambs and goats and sheep, but it would, they would be forgiven, but they never changed their conscience. They were still the same spiritually dead people since Adam. And when Jesus comes along, he says, from the house of David, Jesus is known as the son of David, is he not? Born in Bethlehem where David was born. And he says he came to Jerusalem. The Bible says Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But for who does receive him, they are called the sons of God. Amen. Amen. We're born again by the blood and by the spirit of God. In the temple here in Ezekiel, it talks about a river of water. Here, Jesus, water and blood. But I tell you, let me, let me share something with you. Can we go to Ephesians 5? Water always represents the flow of the Holy Spirit. Water always represents cleansing, the Word of God. You look through the Bible, it talks about this. Yeah. Husbands, love your wives. As, just as Christ loved the one before that says, wives, submit to your husbands. But we thought we'd leave that alone tonight. Husbands, love your wives. Because <laughs> they're all, you know. <clears throat> husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the... So it always speaks word. What did Jesus say to his disciples when he's going to wash their feet? And Peter says, no, no, no. He goes, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're going to have no part of me. Because then wash my head and wash my hands and wash my back. He goes, no, no, you're already clean. But the word I've already spoken over you. Just your feet need to be washed. So the word of God speaks of the water. The Bible says rivers of living water will flow from you. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll be baptized. And then rivers of living water will flow from you. Are you getting the picture here? But Ezekiel, it really blessed me. Because when Ezekiel was talking about the temple, it started off as a trickle. And we can enjoy what Jesus did at the cross. Because we can understand that when he's pierced his side, just going back one step, we can understand that the Lord's side was a prefigure of Adam opening up his side, which Eve was produced. The blood is typified of the blood of the Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. The water typifies the water that flowed from the smitten rock. Who knows the story that Moses 
struck the rock to get water out of it in the desert. Yeah? That was whinging, complaining. So Moses, uh, God says to Moses, strike the rock. The rock splits, water comes out. They go through the desert. Water. It wasn't a trickle. It was a gush because there was enough water for them and their livestock. Ten years later, they're whinging again. Where's the water? So God now says, speak to the rock. He speaks. Nothing happens. He gets angry because they're all whinging and complaining. And he strikes the rock and water comes out. And God says, because you disobeyed me, you're not entering the promised land. Isn't it interesting? Why did he say strike it the first time and water came out? He says, speak to it this time. Anyone know the symbolic of that? The first time he struck the rock, who's the rock? Who's the rock? Christ. He struck Jesus was stricken once on the cross. He, they whipped him. They pierced him. He only gets stricken once. The Bible says it's accounted for a man to die once, then judgment. The Jesus says Jesus only gets crucified once. When Jesus was crucified, what came out of him? Rivers of living water, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Salvation came from Jesus, amen? He only gets crucified once. And now after the crucifixion, guess what we do? We, we go by faith. We don't need no more sacrifices. We don't put Jesus on the cross every time we want to do something. Why? Because he's risen from the dead, amen? One speaks of Jesus being crucified. The other one speaks of trying to crucify Jesus again. He says, speak to it. Now it's by faith, not by, by, by the law. Are you with me? That's why God got angry. Because he said, speak to the rock by faith. So we've got this fountain of water coming out. And we can go on and on and on. See, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, please. This is very interesting. Ezekiel talks about the different levels of water. In the King James, look what it says here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. My other translation says, he, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep of the waters. See, God doesn't hover over your shallowness. God hovers, the Holy Spirit hovers over the deep things of God. So you can be ankle high, and Jesus loves you, and he's cleansed you, and he's washed you. But while you remain shallow, while you remain in that place of, you know what, I'm in control, the Holy Spirit's not going to move. The Holy Spirit only moves over the deep things of God. Look at Jesus, comes. John the Baptist sees him, says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's just pronounced the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Only you Jew would understand what that meant. The Holy Spirit didn't fall. He comes up to him, gets in the water. The Holy Spirit didn't fall yet. He says to him, you need to baptize me. No, me? I'm not worthy to untie your shoes. I should be, you should be baptizing me. The Holy Spirit didn't fall. Until he was obedient and baptized Jesus. What did he do? He got into the water, submersion. Guess what happened? Heaven opened up. The word heaven opened up is actually God ripped heaven open. He tore the veil in heaven and the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. That's when the Holy Spirit moved in the deep things of God. See, sometimes we're in the shallowness of God. We don't want to go any further because we're scared. But God's asking you to go a little bit deeper with him. Amen. Surrender a little bit more. Amen. Amen. Because if you don't, he's not moving. And you wonder why God's not moving in your life. God loves you. You're going to heaven. But who wants to just live in a place where one day I'll see him, one day I'll be there? But what about today? Today he wants to be known with you. Today he wants to walk you through the ship. This man, this, this, this man that was taking them and measuring the, no one knows what it was. It was an angel or a man, but I believe it was the son of man. I believe it was Jesus incarnated, walking him through the anointing. 
See, the anointing is for every believer here. You can't get the anointing. You can be gifted, but not anointed. We want to be anointed, amen? He, will anoint us. he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on men and women. Young men will see dreams, old men will dream dreams, and we'll prophesy, you know the story. But I want to share this with you, that in Genesis, the Holy Spirit is on the face of the deep, hovering, hovering. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is God? If you don't, well, you should. We believe in God the Father. In Genesis, it's God the Father, the, uh, the Creator, the Logos Word, the Word, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Triune, co-equal, in unison. But we know that there's different positions that they walked in, or different, uh, what's another word for it? Jesus stepped down from heaven, even though he had the fullness of God in him, in bodily, but he was encompassed in a body of Adam. So the, the Bible says in Colossians that the fullness of God dwelt in him. The exact image and representation of God. He even said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't, didn't, he didn't consider it a robbery to consider himself equal with God. Are you with me? But he was limited in the man suit. He was limited in the suit of Adam. Does that make sense? So when God says, let there be light, or the Hebrew says, let light be, because it's the connotation that God created the light. But if you read it in its context, the light already existed. He said, let light be, and the Holy Spirit manifested the light. What's changed? Jesus says, if you ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. Nothing's changed. Are you with me? So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Holy Spirit fell on Jesus when he was baptized. It doesn't say it left. It stayed with him. But in order for Jesus to replicate himself, he had to get to the cross. Remember, Jesus said, I'm like a wheat. I'm a kernel of wheat. If a kernel of wheat does not die and fall to the ground and die, it cannot produce much fruit. Jesus had to go to the cross and die for the remission of our sin, but then to reproduce himself. But it comes with the anointing. So we're going to read a story here about Cornelius. And I want you to understand when you leave here today, I don't know everybody here, but I leave here today that the anointing is for you, but not for you to do what you want. The anointing is to empower you to do what he wants. Amen. He wants to get you over your hurdles, but he also wants you to keep going deeper into the things of God for his kingdom. See, the gospel wasn't just about you and me. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he sets us free. Yes, he's our father. But he says, I come to what? Preach the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. Repent for the kingdom of God has come. Your life is not your own. And while you remain to grab it, then you lose it. But he who loses his life will find it. You get me? Because he's asking us in this time and place that we've got to trust God more than any time before. Because we are so bombarded with so much and our minds are bombarded 24-7. Never in the history of the world that you can get information 24-7. We're so connected that we're so dumb. We're becoming brain dead. Because we're addicted and the enemy's using things against us. And it's very hard. See, Ezekiel was a man of God who lived in the worst time, but he could see something better than who he, what he was living in. See, God shows us something better than what we are in, amen? There, there's something coming into this earth that he's trying to show us. What's he trying to show us? See, you have eyes to see, you got to have ears to hear, and you have a heart to imagine how much he loves us. Can someone say amen? It's interesting to know that there was... Blood and water flowing out of Jesus' side. 
it's very interesting to understand that no one takes my life. I lay it down freely, Jesus says. The, 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 the prophecy says not one bone would be broken. And not one bone was broken. This says no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. And when they pierced his side, in order for the sacrifice, a lamb would be slaughtered and emptied totally. The blood had to be emptied. Christ is on the cross, and to fulfill that, his heart was pierced that he could be totally emptied. Not a thing left. I've shared this before. He was a piece of meat on a stick. Unrecognizable. The Passion did a great job to show it in the movie, but it was worse than that. We talk about Isaiah 52. It says he was disfigured unto human recognition. And I was, we turned our face for him because he was that disgusting. This is the Jesus that had everything in heaven but laid it all down for you and me so we could have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's a nice place to say amen. Psalm 36, 9. Jesus says, I am the, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here in Psalm 36, 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Christ is our light. Not the gift he gives us. Not the miracle he showed us. Not the goosebumps we feel. Not the car we drive. Not the job he gave us. Not that's all great. That's a byproduct of his kingdom. But he is the light of the world. He has to be all in all. The first, the last, the beginning and the end. Without him, we'll die. In that prophecy that Ezekiel saw, it says that the water ran and, and goes to the, to the eastern region, which is, and, and it healed the water. It's speaking of that it went to the Dead Sea. There's something that was dead that God's anointing can bring back to life. Hello? God brought us back. The fish represent people. We were all dead in our sin, every single one of us. And I don't have to be a prophet to know that. <laughs> I'm the biggest one standing here. But when his anointing came looking for us, see, it started off as a trickle, but then it started to flow and get deeper and deeper and deeper. And then no matter where you ran, you see this water following you everywhere you go. No matter, even when, I, when you wanted to reject him, he still followed you. Why? Because he loved you so much that he would find you. Because no matter where you can go, David says, well, where can I go and flee from your presence? If you're in heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. Why? The, the Dead Sea speaks of hell, speaks of the deadness, speaks of the lowest point of your life. And guess who finds you? See, water always finds level. It finds the lowest point. You see levels that's got water in it, it always gives you the level. And water, if you let it leak, it will go through cracks and it will find the lowest point. The water of his word will find you no matter where you are. You can rely on his word. His word is true, amen. And I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what you've been through. And I don't know what it seems like it's the end. But let me tell you something. Come to his water. Submerge yourself into his anointing. Come on. There's no person, listen to me, there's no person on this earth, there's no place where you can go, and there's nothing you can buy to get what Jesus wants to give you. But are you willing to submerge and give up? That's a word for someone here today. So I want to share something with you that God is looking for you, and he will find you. He's looking for you, but there's some things that we need to understand. He looks for you, he grabs you, but are you responding to him? Or you just think it's a good idea. So let's have a look at a story that a man that was honoring God, 
but didn't know God, and God found him. And let's go to Acts chapter... What is it? 10.34. Good to have help. And this story is very common. If you haven't known, we're going to read it. It's about Peter after Jesus resurrected. And the book of Acts talks about the, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but I believe it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Now, Peter is minding his own business and he has a trance. And he sees God sending a sheet down and it's all the unclean animals the Jews wouldn't touch. He says, Peter, take and eat. He goes, oh, no, not one unclean touched my lips. Happened three times. Peter, eat. No chance. Peter, eat. No way. And then there's a man named Cornelius. He's from the Italian regiment. He's an Italian. He's, uh, any Italians in the house? We, we love you. Thank God for pizza. Um, he was from the Italian regiment, and he gave arms to God, and he prayed. And an angel showed up. Imagine that. Anyone had an angel show up? Oh, I haven't. But angel showed up and says, listen, send some people for a man named Simon Peter. He's at Joppa, and he'll come and show you and tell you the way of salvation. See, this man was a good man because an angel showed up. This man gave alms. This man prayed. This man gave good deeds, but he still wasn't saved. God understood who this man's heart was. He says, now, go and send some men to get this guy named Simon Peter and let him tell you the way to salvation. You're not saved because you're a good person. You're saved because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? That scripture blows any theory out of the water. Because if he was a good man and had an angel appear to him and he still couldn't be saved till he heard the gospel. And here comes Peter. And he's, Peter is a Jew. And Peter considers, now they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit now. They've seen Jesus die. Jesus resurrected. Jesus walked around with them and spoke to them and then he went to heaven. And now the Holy Spirit is telling Peter and he had an angel come to him and he goes talk to this, this Gentile. Gentiles were considered dogs in those days. Unlawful for him, a Jew, to be in someone's house and eat with them, let alone be in the house. Look what he says here. Let's read from verse 34. Then Peter opened up his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation who fears him, he works righteousness and is, uh, is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let's just stop right there. The Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God born of a virgin, lived his life sinless, but he still needed to be anointed. The Holy Spirit came upon him, anointed him. What's the Bible say? He went about doing bad? Did he say he went about putting curses on you? Did he went about judging you? No, he went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Now, Peter is telling this Gentile this story. Verse 39. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging him on a tree. 
Him God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it was he who was ordained by God to be judge of, of all the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believed in him received remission of sin. While Peter was still speaking, this is my favorite part, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who had heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell on them. Now, how did they know the Holy Spirit fell on them? Did they see a dove, you reckon? No, the Bible didn't even say a dove came out of heaven. The Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. Okay? Look what it says next. How did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? And those of the circumcision, speaking about the Jewish people that came with Peter, okay, they thought it was just for them. They thought Jesus came and died and rose again and gave them the Holy Spirit just for them. Now they're shocked. Look what they're saying. And those of the circumcision, speaking of Jews, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had got, been poured out on these dogs, Gentiles. Think about it from their point of view. These are unclean, uncircumcised Ham and bacon eating, ham and pineapple pizza, uh, bacon and egg at the footy, uh, sausages. And um, these Gentiles, unclean people, and the circumcision, the Jews are going, hang on a second. How come they can get it? They haven't had their thing chopped off yet. I mean, circumcised, all right? Next verse. Sorry, wife. For they have heard them speaking with what? With what? With what? With what? With what? That was the evidence of them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't let anyone tell you the tongues are not for today. And if you're doubting that, stop doubting because you're missing out on the deep things of God. If anything that's passionate or more passionate about it, it's about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we're robbing our people from the church because of religion and, and dispensationalism and sensationalism. and sh Anyway. So they heard them speaking with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, and look at this. This is for people who haven't been water baptized yet. What are you waiting for? Can anyone forbid water that these should be not baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You've got to understand the mindset here. Please understand the mind. Now, we could understand this because most of us here are wogs. And we understand that we got everything worked out and it's our way and no way. If we do a wedding, it has to be our way. If we do dinner, it has to be my way. You know? We understand our way. Remember Frank Sinatra? He did it his way too. But here, that they got touched by God, walked with Jesus, seen the miracles, did all these things, and goes, hang on, we've gone through this, 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 this. And they thought they still had to do that. See, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, Peter would have put us all back under the law with James. But thank God for the Apostle Paul, and thank God for the Apostle John, that they understood the grace of God, because they were fighting about all this. They even pulled Paul up and said, hang on, you're teaching people not to be circumcised. He goes, well, they're getting spirit-filled. They're speaking in tongues. They receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Why do they need to get circumcision for? See how their mindset, they had to break this mindset. Later on, you see in the Galatians, Peter and Paul having a bit of a tiff. Well, it wasn't actually Peter. Paul just told him you're a hypocrite. Because one minute you're sitting with the Jews, now you're sitting with the Gentiles, you're going to sit with the Jews. You're a hypocrite. You and Barnabas. He was pretty direct, Paul. Because he understood the gospel because he received it from Jesus himself. 
And if anyone was going to take you back under the law, it would be Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He didn't. He says, no, no, I understand the gospel from Jesus himself, and I'm free. Don't worry about certain moons. Don't worry about certain things. You know what? We are who the sun sets free is. Free indeed. And we need to get out of the ankle high and out of the knee high, out of the waist hole, and submerge ourselves in his anointing. And it's for you. He, the first thing Peter says, I have now perceived in verse, look at this, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, I've got no favorites. It might seem like God's got some favorites. And I've been sitting there, I've sat there like you, listening to preachers. Wow, man, why does God move with him and doesn't move with me? I've been there. I've said those exact same words. He seems like, it seems like God does have a few favorites, doesn't it? It seems like God's moving on this guy's life, but not my life or this person's life. But you know what? When you sit with that person, you will find the price they have paid for that anointing. They, they, the price they have paid for God to use them in the way they use them. See, we're not willing to pay the price. So we want the glory without the pain. We want to be, I used to have this saying when I was playing footy, and we used to be running a muck all week, and then we want to play good football on the weekend. And this coach said to me once, it wasn't actually a coach, it was the coach's wife, said to me, you can't be a mug all week and a champion on the weekends. In other words, you can't act like a fool and carry on and live like everyone else and then come up to game day and be a champion. Because every champion has paid a price. You know what? Forget that. What about the kingdom of God? What are we prepared to die for in order to receive what he's got for us? Because that was waiting for us. The Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says the, the earth travails and groans are waiting what? For the sons of God to be revealed. He's waiting for the sons. Not talking about a male, talking about a position. He's waiting for us to rise up because that bloke next door or the bloke across the road or the bloke you walk past is dying without Jesus. He says that in the, in the Good Samaritan story, he says he was half dead. He was alive but dead. Anyone without Jesus is dead. Because we're not understanding that from the throne. See, when you look at that picture, where does the anointing come from? Where does the word come from? Where does the Holy Spirit come from? From the throne of heaven, amen? Amen? Not from you. Not from how good you are or how good I am or how good our church is. But we attach ourselves to the head, Christ, and the anointing comes from the throne room and it flows through us. But it might start as a trickle. The Bible says don't despise small beginnings. Sometimes you might be here for five minutes or you might be here for a while and it's trickling. That's okay. We'll keep walking. The Bible says it's the walk of faith. True? It says who the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. But what we do, we get to the water, we're happy. We're splashing. Okay, I'll stop it. But God wants us submerged in the river because when the Bible says he does, he pulls him back and says, now look behind you. Can you see? What am I seeing? Trees healed. And if you keep reading, it says fruit. It says healing of the leaves. Where's the healing come from, guys? Listen to me. Jesus died on a tree. He anoints us to bring healing, to bring fruit, to bear fruit for, so people could come. The Bible says the fish came. Everything that was dead came alive again. I was dead. I don't know about you. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Hallelujah. He came and got me. He came and got you too. But he wants us to go a little bit deeper. See, God is there. People say God moves. Well, I heard this grace. If God moves, if you move from here to there, then that doesn't exist anymore. 
God exists in all things. But we move in God. God's already there. You think, God's doing a new, there's a new move of God. No, it's not. God's already there. God's already gone. The Bible says he's risen and gone before us. So when he says he walked him out to the ankle high, then knee high, what was he saying? He said, I'm already there. You just need to keep walking. You need to keep walking. See, don't give up on your walk. You might have been busted. You might have been hurt. You might have been just, a lot of things happen in our life, especially in the church. But you got to understand the church is not perfect. The church are human beings that are trying to work out their salvation. But when I keep walking, I'm going to keep walking. I'm not letting you, 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 anyone to hinder my walk. You can do and say what you like, but I'm going to keep walking. Yeah, I might hurt, but I'm going to keep walking. Why? Because I want to get to that river where he takes me. The river of living water that flows from our belly, flows from the throne of God, flows to bring healing, to touch people's life and set you free. Amen. Does that make sense? Here, Ezekiel saw a building. And people are waiting for a building. Right now, they're trying to rebuild the third temple. But my Bible tells me that the, the abomination that leads to desolation is going to stand on the temple mount and claim to be God. So I don't know how what good is going to come out of that temple. What I do know is that the true temple of God is in you. Do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you? Doesn't the Bible says that God will not dwell in man-made temples again? Doesn't the Bible says that He goes, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? We're looking up, but we should be looking inwards. Not at ourselves, but in the God that's within us. Isn't it interesting that Mary was told that you're going to have a son. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God be with us. But the God that be with us became the God that's within us. Because after Pentecost, after the resurrection of Christ, I should say, God became the God within us. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Now, I know Jesus said, I'm coming back, and it's been 2,000 years, and he, his watch is broken. You know, he said, I'll come quickly. But I believe he came back at Pentecost in the person of the Holy Spirit. He came back quickly. Because the minute they got filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? They were anointed like him. They had the nature of him. The Bible says they partake in his divine nature, that he is the Spirit of Christ that dwells in you. He did come back. He's coming back personally. He's coming back to restore all things. Yes, he's a second coming. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he came back in the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? To guide you, to, to anoint you, and to set you free. And what we do, we kick him away. The most understood person in the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Because of a misunderstanding, false teaching. I believe that the river, that, the, that, that temple river, it talks about water, but I believe it's two rivers into one. It's the Spirit in John, John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The, fle the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, this is Jesus speaking, to you are spirit and they are life. If you're not reading your word, but you want to come here and get prayed for every day, that's awesome, but you're not going to get changed. You'll have an encounter. You're not going to get changed. The word. What do we say? The word is what? The what? The words I speak to you are spirit. and They are life. So what's got to come out of you is living a living word. Now, yes, I'm all for baptizing and laying hands and casting out devils. I'm all for that. But if the word's not in you, what's, what's springing out of you? Goosebumps. I feel like the anointing. <laughs> no, man. 
It's the Holy Spirit inside you, the Word, and the Spirit brings life. We've got to get fed in income. We've got to start getting real. Oh, I felt the presence of God. No, you didn't. It was the air conditioning came on. I get goosebumps listening to that guy. I love song, love song dedications. He was the worst bloke. They ever listened to that bloke. But the truth is that the, out of your depths, out of your belly, out of your core will come a living water that will flow through you. Oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's enough. Or I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's enough. Or I confess Jesus Christ. Enough. Yeah, it is enough. What a sad place to be one day when you stand before God and he says, but I gave you all this and you did nothing with it. Still searching hard of God. What do you want me to do, Lord? Where is it that I have to go another step deeper in you? I often look at the love of God. How deep is your love? I was joking, but it's true. How deep is his love? See, sometimes we're too scared to go to the next level because we're scared. Is that really for me? What will really happen if I actually surrender? You know, we have to surrender all things to him. The quicker we surrender, there's a lady named Catherine Kuhlman. She's a bit of a, she was out there. But mighty miracles in her crusades. Mighty, mighty miracles. And they asked her a question. He goes, we want to do, how do you do what you do? We want to do what you do. He goes, are you willing to die the deaths that I've died? See, anyone that's done anything for God, don't, don't look at what he's done. Look at what God's doing through them. Because that's awesome. Look at what the price they had to pay to get there. Look at the place where they had to surrender and go deeper in the things of God. Because God's not a genie in a bottle. I prayed three prayers. I said a few. I read the, the devotion of the day. I read the scripture of the day. And that's considered reading your Bible. I'm not having a go at you, honestly. I'm, I'm joking. But what I say is you need to get fall in love. I often say that if you don't know how to read your Bible, then what you do, listen to it. Get into a place when you start fellowshipping with the Word. What I mean by that is... I, when I read the word and I see things, it's like I'm talking to you one-on-one -on -one and we get an excitement. In that. You know why? Because the word is alive. Get excited. Start fellowshipping with the word. You know, I love this thing about assimilation. Assimilating, meditating and assimilating the word. I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Someone said to me, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'll start in Genesis. That's great. But read it in conjunction with, you know, the Gospels. No, no, no. They got to Leviticus and closed the book and never read it again. Of course you go to Leviticus, you know, the cure for insomnia. 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 Not Sonia. Sonia's here. But, uh. Anyway, people that can't sleep. Read the word. Assimilate the word. You know, what's the quickest way? Let me ask you a question. If I want to assimilate to the things of God, I want to assimilate to the nature of God, I want to assimilate to the word of God. What's the quickest way? Have you heard anyone like a, a young kid that plays soccer? He goes to England, comes back with a, in an English accent. I know people that could hardly speak Arabic, went to Lebanon for six weeks, came back, and, wow, that perfect Arabic. They even picked up the mannerisms. No, I'm <laughs> what happened? They went to a, whether it's Lebanon, whether it's England, you, you assimilated to the culture. They, they reckon the FBI in America used to, when they had some issues with the Mexican crime gangs, they couldn't infiltrate them because they knew they weren't Mexican, even though they could speak their language. So what they did, they would get these agents and go and live in Mexico two, three years and train in Mexico. Because what would happen, they worked out that they would assimilate in the language, they would assimilate in the way they talk, 
their body shape, everything would change because they were assimilating to the culture and to the place where they were. And they used to infiltrate and get into the drug gangs and infiltrate as uh, secret servants and that because they didn't pick them. Why? They assimilated to that culture. Isn't it the same with the Word of God? If I open my mouth and start speaking in tongues and I read the Word, guess what? I'm assimilating to His nature, to His character, to His likeness. I become like Him. That's the quickest way to become like Him is to know Him, to be part of Him, and to read His Word, and you become like Him. It's not going to happen with someone laying hands on you. I'm all for laying hands. Don't get me wrong. But I've been 20 years in the church. Probably laid hands on more people you can think of. And most of them aren't in church today. Why? They won't give themselves to this. They won't submit into the love of and the submerge into the anointing of God. The anointing breaks the yoke, amen? The anointing of God is for you. Holy Spirit is hovering over the deep waters. Holy, Holy, he loves you. He's hovering. But he doesn't walk over shallowness. Don't quote 50 scriptures and then talk about your mate Nate, five minutes later. Don't go think that you can, you can uh, what does the Bible say? You can't praise God and curse someone from the same tongue. Holy Spirit doesn't move. He's there. He's still hovering. He's not leaving you, but he's just going to wait. He's going to wait till he thinks the deep things. Not the deep, not, not searching out scripture in the Greek and the Hebrew. That's not, that's not the deepness I'm talking about. And your heart is ready to surrender and you fall in the depths of his love, yet he'll move on you. Because there's the Logos word and there's the Rhema word. They go in tandem. Because God is interested in you to grow in him for what? For his kingdom. You might be coming here for whatever reason. Your family, we love you. But you can't stay the same. You can't stay in the same position you are and say, well, you know what? The greatest, the greatest, for me, the greatest obstacle in someone's walk is that you have a higher expectation of yourself and not of God. What I mean by that? When God says, I want to do this in your life, you say, no, it means you've exalted yourself about God. Oh, I don't have any high expectation. Like, yes, you do, because you won't receive what God has got for you. But when I die, and he doesn't, see, when it's not based on my ability, it's based on him through me, I can achieve what he wants me to achieve. Does that make sense? I often say, self-pity and self-righteousness is the same spirit. So it's all about you. The person who's got self-pity it's about them. So who's self-righteous, it's about them. Same spirit. See, I don't exalt myself above God. I'm my thought pattern. Oh, I'm not worthy enough. I, I, I'm not, I haven't prayed enough. You know what? I've already blocked the Holy Spirit. But when I say, Lord, I want you to teach me. I'm willing to surrender. See, if I'm willing to surrender, he's willing to take over. We have this idea that if we surrender and give up our rights, guess what? Someone's going to take advantage of us. It's the opposite in the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit flows. Did Peter do everything right? No. And yet God used him. The first, first encounter. Peter preached the sermon in Pentecost and 3,000 of the most religious Jew on the earth got saved. Because it's because of his love. Because of his power. And Ezekiel looked at the temple, and I believe we're coming in the end times now, where this temple, and we're, we're looking for, for the next thing. But listen, it's flowing, it's trickling, and we need to keep walking. Walk in what God's given talent, God's given you, but keep walking in his love and mercy. But listen to me, without the word and the spirit, there's no life. We have become illiterate when it comes to the word of God. Because we don't spend enough time. And there's nothing excites me more than when I sit there and read a passage of scripture or read through where God leads me. 
And then something just jumps out, which I've been reading for 10, 20 years, and it comes out and revelation comes. It's the most exciting. It's like, oh, I get so excited. Why? Because the Lord's speaking to you. And he's speaking to you too. He wants to speak to you. He wants to pour out his spirit on you. He wants to love you. He wants to take you into the deep things of God. It starts with two things, surrender and obedience. Can we stand? Can we jump up, guys? He says, son of man, come out. Let me show you some stuff. The river of life flows. Are you a person that life comes out of you? Or are you blocked? Are you still in ankle high water? Have you been stopped going deeper in God because of a broken relationship? Or you can't seem to see the, the, the end of a situation? Or is what God wants to give you, you're, you're not allowing him to give it to you because of your unbelief. Unbelief comes in many shapes and forms. Fear comes in many shapes and forms. Heartbreak comes in many shapes and forms. I'm still yet to find the perfect person that's got it all worked out. But I know, and I worship the one who has got it worked out. His name is Jesus. It's not about a place, it's about a position. It's good to be ankle high. And when I get on my knees and pray, it's good to be knee high. And when I get waist high, when I get deeper, but God wants to go all the way. He wants you to submerge in his love. He wants you to understand how much he loves you because the deeper I go into him, the less of me. So I'll put all my so-called, see the gospel isn't about your dreams. And isn't about you having a better life. And isn't about you that that's a, that's a byproduct. But the gospel is about surrender. It's about us moving forward in the things of God. It's about calling in the lost. It's about the heart of building his kingdom. It's about Jesus. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? When the Lord spoke to my heart many years ago, I love the prodigal son story. I can preach out of it. I can preach the gospel out of it to the day I die. But I heard this story of this person. They lost their son and they didn't know where he was. They never found him. He died. I'm not going to tell the whole story again. I've shared it many times. But I remember sitting in the car crying when I found out this kid, you know, these people were old now. 40 years they haven't seen their son because he went missing. Never, never found him. I got in the car and I was with someone at the time and the Lord said to me, you love the prodigal son story? And I said, to, in my heart, I said, yes. He goes, but not, they don't all come home. Would you go and get them? I said, Lord, I'll go and get them. I wept for a good two weeks after that event. Every time I get in the car, I would cry. Why? Because God's sons are missing. God's daughters are missing. It's not about the big crowd. And it's not about the good preaching. And it's, not, it's about the heart of God for people. 
It's about what it says here. It says the fish were all healed. All sorts of fish came to that Dead Sea. Think of it this way, that God's living water went into the Dead Sea and nothing that could live in that started living in there again. Why? Because God pulls out the deadness and brings life. In Ezekiel 37, he says, can these bones live? Talking about Israel, talking about the Jewish people, their bones, it was just dead. They were finished. He says, but can these bones live? Because he speaks to these bones and the Bible says they came back to life. Why? Only Jesus can bring the dead back to life. And there might be some dead dreams here. There might be some dead situations in your life. There might be some dead opportunities. There might be dead something in your life that's dead, but Jesus can bring it back to life. So I, if I know him well enough, I know, Lord, is this meant to stay dead? Am I resurrecting a corpse or am I willing to believe to come back to life? That's the closest you have with the Lord. Some things have to remain dead. Some things come back to life. But either way, your closeness and your depths with him will show you what you need. The Bible says you drink from a well that never runs dry. We drink from a well that never runs dry. Isn't it interesting? He said the woman at the well, if you knew who was telling you about this water, you would ask. Because you drink my water, you'll never thirst again. So Father... By your spirit, Lord, I worship you, Lord, who gives us the anointing. I worship you, Father, my salvation, in whom I trust, that I want to go deeper in you, Lord. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was given to you to form Christ in you. He was the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. You know, the Holy Spirit leads you. He leads you to the Father. He leads you to the Son. And in Cornelius, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't see anywhere there he, he said the sinner's prayer. He did a 10-week course. He just believed because the Bible says it fell on him. What does that mean? It means that they already believed as he was preaching. But what was Paul Peter preaching? He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was preaching what Jesus had came to do, what he'd done, how he died, and how he rose again. And guess what? Then the Holy Spirit moved. Why? Because the Holy Spirit only moves on over the deep things of God. See, the gospel is a simple message. We've complicated it. And Cornelius got filled. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit filled them. And if you have a, keep reading that story, guess what happened? It filled everybody in the house and they all got baptized. I believe I'm prophesying here households are coming to Christ. Amen. Households, not just one uh, a husband and a wife or a kid. I'm talking about, I believe the Cornelius anointing is coming where you've been praying for loved ones. You've been praying for husbands or wives or brothers or sisters, grandparents or nephews or nieces. But I'm believing that households are coming into the kingdom. Why? Because we're going to preach the truth of the gospel and the anointing of God will fall and then God will bring them home. Not ones, not twos, but families will come. Bible says it's the healing of the nations. I'm prophesying that word tonight. That you've been praying for some loved ones and you think it's over, but I'll tell you it's not over. It's not over. We just started. But God may need you to go a little bit deeper in Him so they can see Christ in you. Remember, some people you meet never see Jesus, only the Jesus that is in you. What's coming out of you? What are you showing them? 
heard this story about this couple was the intercessors of the church they thought and they were interceding for the lost and the pastor says what are you just doing he's always interceding for the church so that's good you know what are you actually doing he's always interceding for the lost we believe where god's called us to intercede for the lost and he says to them but why are you suing your neighbor then how did you know about that are you suing your neighbor yeah, they used that. They encroached on our land and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And they go, okay, so you, God's called you to intercede for the lost and you're suing your neighbor. In other words, you just sold your testimony. You're not interceding for anyone. If you can sue your neighbor, then God can't use you to bring in the lost. They were in shallow waters. They had no idea what they were talking about. And sometimes we think we're doing God's work by doing certain things. But you know what? Come and sit under the anointing and let God show you. I thank God for mentors in my life that kicked me up the backside. I said, you're not doing that for God. You're doing that for you. I thank God, God godly people spoke wisdom. And they weren't going to sugarcoat it. They weren't going to make me feel good about it. They were going to tell me truth. And I needed to hear truth. Not, you know what? If you, if you really love someone, tell them the truth. And if you are loved by someone, you better receive truth. Don't go knocking on doors to get what you want. Because if you get the answer you want, you're going to hell. You'd be derailed off your walk and you'd be going to hell. But God's truth is, I am the spirit of truth and he'll guide us into all truth. Amen. You've been lied to. Sorry, I'm just, stay there. Don't. You've been lied to too many times. And God's replacing and rewiring your life right now. If you surrender your life right now, God's going to take back everything the devil's stolen of you. In your heart, the lies of the enemy that's, that's, that's been spoken over you, spoken to you and through you, and what you've entertained and what you've believed. But God's saying today, I wash you. Receive his love right now. No more living in that past. All things have passed away. Seal that, Father, in Jesus' name to my sister right there. Lift your hands to heaven. God spoke to me when I was preparing that God's going to move prophetically on people's lives. 